Welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. Here you'll learn about how to grow your home building, remodeling, or contracting business. If you're not growing, you're moving backward. So we want you to always be in growth mode. This podcast has really turned into a movement and community of people who want to grow personally and professionally. Here we bring you some of the best marketing, sales, and business minds in the industry so you can elevate your business. All right, let's dive into the show. Hey, and welcome back to Builder Funnel Radio. I'm Spencer Powell, the CEO over at Builder Funnel, and our agency helps remodelers and custom builders build sustainable, repeatable marketing systems that have generated well over $150 million in projects to date. This podcast, Builder Funnel Radio, is where we share things that have worked for us, lessons learned, failures, things that we've bumped into along these 12 years going through digital marketing for uh, remodelers and custom builders. We also occasionally bring on some outside guests so you can get exposure to their expertise in areas that are not our sweet spot. So if you like this content, go ahead and hit the subscribe on your podcast player. And uh, with that being said, we're going to dive into today's topic, which is a little bit of a continuation on last week. Last week, I did an update around the big Google change uh, that happened and kind of some action items around that. But What I wanted to do today was actually talk about two unique SEO lessons that will help you and that are probably things that you haven't necessarily heard of, or maybe you haven't focused on. I think with SEO, a lot of times these SEO companies make it out to be, you know, it's all keyword focused. Everything's about, you know, getting the right keywords, ranking for the right keywords and Keywords are obviously a a huge factor in SEO, but they are not the only thing by a long shot. And then other companies will focus on just like getting a whole bunch of links. And sometimes they pick up a bunch of low quality links and that can actually hurt your site if you're not link building the right way. And so generally those two things tend to be the focus of most SEO companies. We tend to take a more well-rounded approach to just digital marketing where SEO is a large component of that, but we feel very strongly that it's integrated with your entire marketing strategy. It's not like you can just say, hey, SEO is like the perfect answer for all of my marketing needs. So within that, I want to talk about two SEO lessons and things that you can take away. I wanted to keep it at two so that you could we can keep this fairly short and fairly actionable in terms of what you can do. So the first is around updating content, and this ties directly into last week's episode where we talked about the the change. And I want to talk about why and how to go about this process of updating old content. And that's the first takeaway and lesson. So if you think about, if you've been blogging for a while, like we have, we've been blogging for about 12 years. And so for many of our clients, they've been working with us for, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11 years, uh, and they're still working with us today. And so the challenge becomes that we have so many blogs on the site and many of those blogs become outdated over time. Good example of that is an article that we often write is around like trends. So we may have have an article on one of our client sites, five kitchen remodeling trends to look out for in 2013. (laughs) Well, that was a great article in 2013. After that, you know, eh, 2014 might be still relevant. Beyond 2014, it really becomes kind of like a, 
I wonder what the kitchen trends looked like back in 2013. And so it becomes more of a historical artifact than really helpful to, to anybody searching. And so what you can do is you can take a post like that and you can go back to it and you can look and you can go, okay, we had these five trends. Two of them are actually still relevant today. And, and I would consider them still trends today. But these other three, they're not really trends. We need to put in three new ones that are actually relevant today. And this is assuming we just want to keep it at five. You could change it to seven trends. It, it just depends on making sure the information is actually accurate. So if you only have five trends or you have four trends now, whatever the accurate information is what you should default to. But let's just say for simplicity purposes, you have five trends, two were still the same, and three need to be totally changed out. What you would do is you would go into this post and you would start to edit it. And so you would keep those two trends, but you would update the paragraphs around them. You might enhance them. You might add more photos, examples of these trends. Um, you would obviously want to update any old or outdated information related to those trends. And then you would go ahead and write about the three new trends and insert those and make sure the content's really good. Everything's up to date. You'd also look at kind of the intro paragraph, the closing paragraph, like the other pieces of this article and bring those up to date too. It's basically going to look like a new article, but you'll definitely cut out some work because you're already going to have like the, the template for it, the bones of it. You're going to have a couple of trends that are already uh, still relevant. So it will definitely cut down the time invested. Then what you're going to do is you're going to change the title if relevant. So you're going to say five uh, kitchen design trends for 2022 or whatever the current year is. Uh, now that we're getting close to the end of this year, I would start thinking about creating 2023 content. And now uh, we're going to ideally keep the URL the same because the URL has been building equity in this example since 2013. So that's almost a decade where it's been building equity within search engines. That is, you can't just go uh, create a new article and have that amount of equity like uh, built up in that URL. Your domain can get stronger. It can help new blogs that you push out. But the fact that this post has been living around for that long that is worth a lot. And now what we're doing is we're layering on top the thing that Google cares about. So we've got domain age, which is really powerful because Google likes longevity. They're like, hey, this site's been around a while. They're still legit. Like they haven't just spun up a new site and then died off. Like they've been here. They're established. They like that. That shows credibility. And so that's a big factor. And now we've layered on fresh, new, relevant content that's helpful to the user. And so you, when you republish it, you republish it with the current date today, and now it's a new article. It's a new article sitting on an old domain. And so now you're getting the best of both worlds. And oftentimes these posts will perform a lot better and they will perform a lot faster than just writing a new post. Now, obviously this whole strategy only works if you've been writing blog content for a while and if you don't have a brand new site. If you have a brand new site, you probably want to work on creating some fresh content, some new content, and then you also want to build some links so you can raise the domain authority of your website. But this is great if you've been blogging for even just a year or two, you can start going back and updating old posts that just, they're irrelevant today. Sometimes you write about events happening you know, in your area. Well, those events have changed, the dates have changed, those types of things. There's lots of examples where you can go back and update old content. So this is very, very powerful. I highly recommend it. Try it with a handful of old blogs. Go back and find some old content that's just totally worthless today just because it's outdated and bring it up to date. Make sure the content's awesome. Don't change the URL structure. Change the title. 
and then republish it with the current date, re-promote it on social, promote it to your email list and your email newsletter, drive some force drive some traffic to it. When you post it on Facebook, boost it, try to drive some clicks to it and you should see a pop in ranking and that post should, should move up from wherever it was ranking before. All right, so that's lesson number one. Hey guys, I know that if you listen to Builder Funnel Radio, you are hyper aware of the fact that the way people shop and buy, it's changed dramatically over the years. And for the last 10 years, really since I started doing all this, helping my uncle's remodeling division scale up from about 2 million to 10 million, We've been helping remodelers and builders and contractors all over the country really refine their marketing systems. And I recently decided to kind of bottle all of that up into my first book. And that book is called The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. And you can pick up a copy by going to the website, remodelermarketingblueprint.com. You can also search for it on Amazon or wherever books are sold online. But I highly recommend you go over to the website because we've got some cool book bonuses that go along with that if you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So it would mean a lot to me if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or even just a few episodes, if you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to remodelermarketingblueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. Lesson number two is kind of an interesting angle. And again, this is unique, um, but it's easier for brands to rank. Now, if you're a little bit of an SEO nerd and you're kind of deep in the weeds on this, I could never understand why I would see these sites like Nike and you go to the site and or Apple and you go to the site and you're just going, you know, their SEO is terrible. Like they're not trying to rank for like shoes or, you know, phones or computers, like they just list the name of their products and their page titles and their URL structure. It doesn't really target any keywords. I couldn't figure it out, you know, because it was like, well, this isn't, this isn't how SEO works. You know, how are these brands, you know, doing this and how are they getting all this traffic and ranking? And what I've realized over the years is that when Google sees people searching for a brand, So say they actually type in Nike into Google and then they click on Nike or they type in Apple and then they click on Apple because they're not necessarily typing in Nike.com. They're just typing it right into Google because that's what pops up when you open your browser and then you click on the site. The more that happens, that shows Google that you're a credible brand. And when Google knows that you're a credible brand, they say, okay, you're going to rank higher for other keywords when you try to rank for those. And the reason being is if you think about what Google's trying to do is they're trying to get you to the most relevant information the fastest. And what they've understood is that large brands or powerful brands obviously play a large part in marketing and attracting and bringing people to them. And so it shows Google that these are legitimate established companies. And so in their eyes, That is, you know, maybe, and and I'm, this isn't necessarily in their eyes. I'm just saying it as I understand it, but you could see how in their eyes, if at the beginning they said, Hey, this website, website A and website B, they both started on day one. They're the same website. A all of a sudden starts getting links from other websites to their site. And that was how Google started to rank sites as they said, Hey, 
five other websites linked to website A. They must think website A is important. Now we think it's important. So it's kind of this way of, of gathering data from the community and what people thought, right? If other websites who are run by people are linking to this site, there must be something interesting or helpful or good over at the site. So we're going to make that site a little bit stronger and it's going to rank a little bit higher than website B, which doesn't have any votes basically or inbound links. And so the way I see it and why brands rank easier is when somebody does a Google search for your brand, they click on it, that shows Google, hey, there's a brand here. So people actually know the brand, they're typing it in and they're trying to find that company. So there's that's like a vote. And so when you have a strong brand, then you're going to rank for more keywords. And so if you think about your local area, there's a good chance that you actually have a decent brand. If you've been in business for 20, 30 years in your local area, you probably have a decent local brand where people know the name and they type it in. That means you actually have a great opportunity to start ranking for other keywords and surpassing some of your competitors that maybe don't have as good of a local brand. But you need to actually take that step in trying to rank for the right keywords and doing SEO the right way. But if you have an established brand, that should give you a jump start. And so my takeaway here is that if you feel like you have a pretty established brand and people search on Google for your brand and find you that way, then you could start progressing a lot faster in terms of ranking for other things. If you don't have an established brand and you have been working on your digital marketing, you also want to make sure you're thinking about brand. Obviously, you, you would want to be thinking about that regardless, but this is actually a digital benefit that you're going to get as you build your reputation and your brand in your local area. So pretty fascinating um, to see how Google kind of has evolved over time and how they've built in all these different ranking signals and factors. And, and they've been able to incorporate how do you value and weight the power of brand that is a, you know, previously was a very offline thing. There wasn't a great way to measure that. And now they've uh, found a way to incorporate that. So if you have a pretty strong local brand, you are sitting on some opportunity. All right. I know that that turned into kind of some deep in the weeds stuff there, but basically the two big lessons are opportunity in updating and improving old content. And then there's also opportunity to both build brand, but uh, capitalize on a strong local brand that you may already have. All right, guys, that's what I got for you today. We'll see you next time here on Builder Funnel Radio. Thanks again for listening, everybody. And as a quick reminder, text radio to 33777 for some free goodies as a thank you for listening to the show. And if you got some value from today's episode, I just ask that you leave us a quick review on iTunes. It really helps us spread the word and grow this awesome community of people who are working to improve their lives and their businesses. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Builder Funnel Radio.